Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Welcome back to another episode of the Battle Buddy Podcast. I've got an awesome guest today. You're going to want to tune in, especially if you're interested in PTSD or you suffer from PTSD. Uh, some other things, Joe is going to tell us all about it. But I've got Joe Meisch with me today. I'll bring him up in a second. But I just want to say, if you find this story powerful or inspirational or any other story that I've done on my podcast, make sure you share that. The, the power here is sharing this with other veterans that may find it useful, knowledgeable, or find something actionable that they can do out of it. So without further ado, welcome Joe to the show. Hey, Keith. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm really glad to have you here. And you originally, if I remember right, because memory sucks sometimes, you reached out to me on LinkedIn and you're like, hey, I got this cool product. And I, I'll just jump right yeah. to it here. I'll, I'll throw the banner up here. And I was immediately intrigued. So you got the temple massager. And of course, I got a hat on, but in general, I know you've got yours right there. You could demonstrate it for us. Um, but this obviously massages your temples in, in a way to, to uh, reduce some stress. But we'll get into that in a minute. But, but um, you have an interesting, interesting might be an understatement. You have a very interesting past. <laughs> I'll let you share kind of, you know, your, your, your military past and all that. But definitely want to hear from you the insights into the entertainment industry. You, you know, like comedy shows, all those different, what all those different things that you've done. So, uh, tell us who you are and, and catch us up to today. All right, cool. So, um, I was uh, in the army, uh, thirteen years total time, and uh, as a combat engineer, twelve Bravo, sixty-two Juliet, and um, uh, guard reserve, active duty. So I kind of covered all the the potential army career and um you know uh really enjoyed my career i i'm proud of it you know uh i will say at the end of it i was kind of tired of it and i didn't want to think about it much and but now you know since time has passed i'm stoked to be a veteran man i'm so happy i served and even though it was tough places and stuff um and uh you know i will say i'm i am not a combat vet i just like that distinction because I got a lot of friends that are combat vets and a friend of mine, he was KIA in Iraq after I, right after I got out, my supervisor is, you know, everybody got deployed post nine 11. So um, I just want to put that out there. Even though it's a combat engineer title, I, I wasn't in combat. So, and I got that level of respect for my brothers and sisters that have been there. So I just want to make that uh, delineation. If you will. So I had a, a cool career and uh, did a lot of different things. And, um, um, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm proud of my career and, uh, lucky to meet the people I did. And, and, uh, so at the end of it, basically I, I and I still kind of deal with it. I clench really bad and just hold my jaw tight and I've ground my teeth flat and it was all stress. And, uh, it was from military school work, you know, working class guy here. So I never had that stress free, easy going lifestyle that maybe some people have, but, uh, it caused me headaches and, and clenching in my jaw really bad. And so like a, a good army grunt, uh, or a lazy caveman, you might say, <laughs> I got tired of holding up my arms and shoulders. Cause I, I, I ended up going like this quite a bit. And then I take my thumbs and I would dig under my cheekbone and try to relax. And I realized I'm like, man, I'm engaging my shoulder, my arms, well, look how much muscle that is engagement in my neck. I'm creating tension. 
yeah, it feels good for a little bit, but I'm creating tension by just holding up my arms and shoulders. So uh, I literally went out to buy a temple massager. I'm like, somebody has to have made a temple massager. Well, they didn't. And so I was like, wow, is this one of those moments that you hear about? That light bulb going off, you know? And so through a long process uh, in many years, just like you got your temple massager, I got my temple massager. And, you know, basically it's kind of hard to stop doing that. It feels really good because I got a little tension here. But uh, went through the long process of inventing it, patenting it, and uh, I couldn't afford patent attorneys, so I learned how to write patents. So I looked at patents of other people's that were on file with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov is the website, and I, I learned. I had to learn, you know, and um, I ended up working with a patent attorney, and he's like, okay, man, I'm 400 bucks an hour. And uh, if you don't have the money to pay that, then what you could do is uh, look at all the patents that we were generated through our patent search that generated all these different patents that might have something to do with the temple massager. And then write your own patent. He was like, you, you got clear clearance from me to go get a patent, Joe. I don't see any patented product out there that's resembling the temple massager. Go for it. But the workload fell on my shoulders to learn how to write. And he guided me, of course, you know, cost me way less money by doing the work as much as I could. Then he comes through it with the legalese. Yeah, that'd be, um, a, that'd be a big learning curve to, I mean, I, 90% yeah. of the people aren't going to have a clue how to do any of that. Oh, <laughs> man. Some, a lot of stuff, research. Uh, some of the stuff that they come at you with this abstract thinking and writing a patent, it, I was lost. I'm like, I don't get where you're going with this, but if it's legally necessary, well, then that's what we're doing. So <laughs> it could be a challenge, man, but I like that challenge. I'm a fighter in my nature, you know? And um, so anyway, I got the patent. And then uh, about that time, um, still dealing with my stress. So I actually started using my prototypes, getting feedback from people, and like you kind of alluded to, I was actually writing some comedy down in L.A. And I uh, had a TV show and, and uh, got to work with a great, some great people. Michael Weinberg, uh, he's a great producer. And uh, he did the David Spade show and uh, America's Got Talent, some of the big things he's did that people might recognize. And it was, it was crazy, man. I was doing a construction job in San Francisco in a remodel. And the boss had a party on his yacht at Sausalito. And I'm like, I'm going to the party, man. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't get invited to yacht parties on Sausalito. Yeah, you get that invite. I mean, you got to go. Yeah, that doesn't come by past me very often, man. So I'm like, I'm going to the party. So anyway, I had just also read a book um, about writing TV shows. And it was called Breakfast with Sharks. And I read it and like the big takeaway was keep a pilot of your work on you at all times. You never know who you're going to meet and where you're going to meet them. And so I literally had this pilot idea and it's uh, 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 just a CD. I had a disc, right? And on the boat, I meet Michael Meehan from the Meehan Brothers comedy troupe in San Francisco. And they were stage and TV and they do, they're in the business. And he does construction part time. And so I end up seeing him on the boat. I meet him. We talk. He was doing Robot Wars at the time, which is kind of like BattleBots a little bit. And I said, so what are you doing these days? And he's like, oh, nothing. And 
you got to have something crazy and wild, you know? And I'm like, I, I got to go crazy and wild. You want to see it? And I showed him the pilot on um, just the boss's laptop on the boat in Sausalito. And, and he laughed and we talked a little bit about it. And he's like, that's funny. And um, uh, that was it. Like, I just was like, oh, cool. I got to show it to somebody right on. Okay, party ends. Monday comes around and I'm going up on Russian Hill to do this remodel. And there's this dark shadowy figure at the door to get into the job. And it's Michael Man, And I'm like, oh, hey, Michael, we're going to work together on the job. That's is killer. We're going to be laughing so much. We're never going to get anything done, you know? And he's like, no, I'm not working. He's all cold. And, you know, no, I'm not working with you today. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay. He's like, but I couldn't stop thinking about your stupid pilot. That's funny, dumb, funny stuff. I want you to talk to Michael uh, Martin Olson, who's a writer and Hollywood guy. Tell him I sent you. He won't talk to you. Boom. I talked to him. He's like, who sent you? Uh, I felt like I was dealing with a bunch of senior NCOs, man. Like, you know, it was kind of intense, you know? It almost sounds like the mob to me. Like, yeah, it was a little tough, man. And uh, he's like, who sent you? And I'm like, Michael me, Michael Pritchard. There's so many Michaels. Michael Pritchard. I'm sorry. No, it was Michael. It was Michael Meehan for the Oh, yeah. Okay. I know Michael. What do you got? Boom. I sent him the pilot. And uh, he's like, this is great. I'm a writer on your show. And one call, I'm like, I have a writer on my show? Okay. I don't really have a show quite yet. I want you to talk to Michael. Uh, I just said his name. Michael Weinberg. He's a huge TV Hollywood guy. Tell him I sent you or he won't talk to you. Okay. And so I talked to Michael Weinberg. And he was like, who sent you? You know, same thing all over again. Who sent you? Um, uh, Michael or Martin Olson through uh, Michael Meehan. Okay, what do you got? What's going on? Well, there's a show idea and blah, blah, blah. If Martin thinks it's good, I want to meet you for coffee in Pacific Palisades. Okay, cool. And I go down there and I meet him for coffee and I show him this quick little pilot. And he's like, this is great. I want to take it to Comedy Central with me. Are you cool with that? And I was like, I can't hear you. What'd you say? Because I couldn't believe this is happening. And uh, he was like, he and I are just real straight with each other. It's like a couple of veterans talking, you know. He was really cool. His dad, by the way, is a World War II veteran that was flying B-17s in daylight raids over Germany. So he has this cool respect for veterans, and I really appreciated that, and he showed that. And so I was like, you want to take my thing to come? I'm like, what did you say? Say that again. And he says, fuck you, Joe Meish. You heard me. And I said, yeah, I heard you. I just can't believe you said that. So I want to make sure I heard you straight. Yeah, I want to hear you it again. Take, yeah, I'm like, you want to take my stuff to Comedy Central, like, right now? Well, uh, yeah, let me think about it, dude. No, of course, yes, take it. Can I go with you? No, he's like, you ain't going nowhere. Just real cool dude, you know? And he watched my pilot with his jacket over his head and the, and the screen of the laptop. So he was protecting my intellectual property. And I was like, okay, I can trust this guy. So then, basically... You know, I'm still working on the Temple Massager, and I'm going back to L.A. and up to Northern California, and then I got an offer. Uh, we sat with Comedy Central. That was cool, you know, and uh, one little side note there, like, I'm sitting there with Michael Weinberg, and I'm like, I can't even believe I'm here, man. And, uh, like, to get in the building, 
uh, you have to show your ID, right? Century Cities and Culver City, Century Towers, I think they're called. That's where all the big network people are and their offices. And so, like, I just got rocked off my game a little bit. I forgot my wallet back at where I'm staying. So we're going up to the counter to check in. The security guys are there. And Michael's like, hey, you got your ID, right? I'm like, uh, oops. I don't, actually. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you just blew your opportunity. You're not going to get in. And I'm, and because everybody's checking IDs and everything after 9 11, right? This, you got to remember, this is back in 2006 or something. And so, oh man, I, I said, Michael, just go to the counter. Just go to the counter. Come on. He was like ready to stop out, step out of line and go, nope, you blew it. I got to go. And I said, just, just listen to me, dude. Please just go to the counter. I go to the counter. There's a Marine Corps veteran with a pen, separate five pen. I'm like, okay, I got this. And he's like, hey, gentlemen, meeting. Oh, yeah, uh, Joe Meich, Michael Weinberg, Comedy Central, Zoe Friedman, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got you here. ID, gentlemen. Michael immediately has his. And I looked at the guy, and I said, Semper Fi, brother. Semper Leberante is always working, engineers, right? And he's like, oh, what were you in? I'm like, Army Engineer, 12 Bravo. And he's like, dude, you guys are always blowing stuff up. I always wanted to be an engineer. I envied you guys, you know, watching you do it. And. And you always cleared the way for us, you know. And you know how that military thing is. It's like, like I've had World War II veterans come up to me and we start talking or I've done other shows or whatever. And it's like, you guys cleared the way like you were there, you know. But it's just that camaraderie family, you know. World War II, Vietnam, Korea, it doesn't matter, man. That or just veteran, a big, happy, dysfunctional family. It, yeah, yeah. And it flows through, you know, generational. So he was like, man, you guys got me through. So uh, – I said, yeah, it was good being an engineer. I liked it. And without like skipping a beat, I said, yeah, I love being an engineer. It was fun, man. And by the way, I completely got nervous and forgot my ID to get in here today. I just kind of blew it to go pitch this TV show. And he says, oh, no problem, dude. You're going to have a great meeting. Elevator's right there, brother. I turn. I walk with Michael. We're going to the elevator. Michael Weinberg turns to me and he says, dude, I've been in Hollywood 20 years. I don't know anybody that could do what you just did. And I'm like, that's that veteran brotherhood, man. And I'm proud as hell. And I love it. And I love my family, my community. So anyway, we go in, we pitch and they offer, uh, they said, you know, we love it. Like two, you hear two weeks later, Oh, we love it. And, uh, but it's not for, it's not for comedy central, but we want you to go to comedy spike TV. So I go to Spike TV and uh, I got an offer. My agent calls me and she's like, yeah, man, you got an offer and, and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't much money because you're starting out. And then I do the, the temple massage thing was being sent all over the world. Iraq, Afghanistan, Djibouti, Bahrain, Longstool, Walter Reed, Bethesda, you name it. I'm, I'm like, I'm just giving these away because I serve with two guys that gave all one guy, drowned on me, Private Curtis Young, and training the Army Reserve. And then after I just got out, my supervisor, Mike Gattolini, was KIA in Iraq, right? And so these guys were on my mind and, and giving me the energy to push this thing forward. And so I have this decision. You know, I can't do Temple Massager and be in L.A. doing a TV show. And, man, it was hard. It was tough. But I did it. I walked away from the TV offer. Uh, to focus on temple massager. And I'm proud I did that. This sometimes I think, oh, what could have happened? And whatever, dude, I feel that sense of purpose serving other people more so than me chasing my dreams. With, and 
and this is a dream I'm chasing, you know? So I walked away from Hollywood and, and then I went on to donate over 5,000 temple massagers to service members and veterans and first responders uh, all around the world. So there's the quick background, uh, military and the whole Hollywood thing. And, and uh, I'll take a break there and let you ask me something. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you kind of answered the, the first question I had, you know, what was, um, you know, what was the idea and the inspiration behind it? And, you know, there's nothing like seeing what goes on in your community, you know, the veteran community to inspire people to do something. I mean, that's, that's the very reason I started this podcast. It was seeing that people struggling on Facebook groups with stuff. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I love podcasts, right? I'll, I like to talk. I, I can, I can talk quite a bit. I know I don't talk much on the podcast, <laughs> but, you know, bring people on to talk about things that are valuable to the community, like, like your story and, and, the other 50 or 60 that I've done on various topics, right. Just to, just to help people just to provide that education. So, you know, that's, um, I, I totally understand that mindset of there's something I can do. You know, there's, you can almost argue there's something that all of us can do to give back to our community. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's something you created or going volunteering for a day. and Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have to be big, you know, small things help too, you know, whether it's uh, raking the yard for the World War II veteran down the street this fall, you know, uh, yeah. you know, like small little tokens of appreciation have big impacts. Yeah. I, I tell people uh, I've talked to tons of combat vets through my donations and different groups. I work with the Wounded Warrior Project, just all this great engagement. And sometimes I hear folks talking, even just civilians, and they're like, you know, oh man, I'm I'm kind of down in the funk and. Uh, I'm not happy with my life or whatever uh, aspect they're, they're kind of not happy about. And I'm like, you, you want to make yourself feel bad? Go. Next time you go to a store or a gas station or whatever, go open a door for somebody and just hold the door open for them. And they're going to say thank you. And you are going to feel some worth in that exact moment. And you're going to feel good. And you can take that scene and you can go turn around and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go volunteer somewhere. Like I volunteered for some homeless shelters and I've gone and uh, hung out with people that were homeless and I'm not threatened by that. I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm six, four, two forty, you know, and, and uh, I'm not threatened by a lot. So I didn't feel that fear, but you find out people have had one or two little things wrong and they're down on their luck and the next year they're on their street. So I'm always telling people just do some small thing, man. You don't have to be big, you know, to feel good about yourself. It's called serving a purpose, right? We're military veterans, man. I have that instinctual thing. I'm a vet. I call it arrogant. That's fine. Whatever. I'm like, I feel like I've got a little edge over the average Joe. And I, I can say that, of course, because I'm Joe. So <laughs> I'm like, I got I got a little edge on other people, I think. You know, maybe sometimes I do, maybe sometimes I don't. So I want to go and, and see what people are doing and how they're living. And if I can offer any kind of uh, you know guidance or suggestion or maybe donate a temple massage. And I try to keep that as part of my life to pay back, or pay forward, giving back. So temple massage has really allowed me to do that. And I'll tell you, man, I feel blessed that I have the strength to get through uh, to make this thing. Cause it is not easy. And so you know, just as a side note, my knowledge base that I've gained from all this, I want to share with other people. So anybody that's watching your podcast, uh, you know, Feel free to forward my contact. I'm my email's Joe at Temple Massager 
Dot-com. Uh, I know people have ideas and they want to maybe chase a dream and I'm always there to help and give free advice. Cause when I was doing it, people are like, Oh, you know, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. And you're like, how much, how much? And I'm like, I can't afford you, man. How much your boy? So I've paid, uh, and I've worked through and learned and got through. So I'm always free. If there's a veteran out there that has an idea for a TV show or a product or a patent or anything, I'm always happy to, to, to help them for free. No problem. I'll give you my straight up advice. If I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know. So, uh, but just the, the goodwill and, and feedback I can get from uh, the telemassagers is paid dividends, man. In fact, you know, I invented it for my jaw pain, right? Right under here. I just, I love to rake my jaw and, and let it hang down. I never saw the mental health aspect of this coming in for PTS, for anxiety, for negative intrusive thoughts, distraction, uh, anxiety relief. This is all learned. And like, I got feedback from Walter Reed because when I donate to Walter Reed, they put him in behavioral health chaplain's office and a resiliency clinic. And suddenly I start hearing from counselors that are working with combat vets. Or, yeah, and people are like, oh, hey, it's helping me with my anxiety. My negative intrusive thoughts are distracted. And I, I wasn't sure how all this was working. I was thinking headache and jaw pain relief. So I ended up working with this guy, Dr. Mark Abramson from Stanford School of Medicine, Mindfulness-Based Stress Clinic. Huge guy. Like he gets paid big bucks to go into all these huge corporations and talk about mindfulness and stress management. I bet that title fits on the entire business card, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, this guy's signature is like this long. It's yeah. like it, it's been in the military for a million years, and he leans yeah. to the left because he's got, <laughs> he's got a billion ribbons on his left side. You know? Yeah, so, I'm glad you're because I was going to ask you about the response you've gotten, but I wanted to back up for a second. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned your contact information, and I just want to put this out there to listeners and viewers of the show. I put a picture and a link to contact all of my past guests on my website. So if you didn't catch his, his email address, you don't catch it in the show notes, you can go to the website too and, and find a way to connect with Joe. Um, I think it's really important to give that ability for people who listen to any episode to be able to go connect with that person. So, but the, but the responses, you know, that I was really curious to hear about this because we've talked before um, the response on your product. Yeah. So a lot of it's been pure discovery just by creating it and, uh, reinvented it, making it better, whatever. Um, I get all the psycho psychological feedback. Again, anxiety, stress, negative intrusive thoughts. So I work with this guy at Stanford. And he, he's like, Joe, you're getting these responses because your product's triggering the relaxation response. And I'm like, okay, explain that because I don't have a medical background. And he says, okay, well, when you go get a haircut or you're going to get a massage and you kind of sit in there or lay in there, and, you know, they're they're touching your scalp and working on your hair or they're working your shoulders or your feet. And he says to me, what comes out of your mouth at that point? I'm like, A, H, 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 like, ah, like that feels good. Ah, and he says, exactly. That is a delay reaction from your autonomic nervous system, your nerves in the side of your head, your trigeminal nerve, and your, your masseter and temporalis muscles are tied into that. Your teeth are tied into the trigeminal nerve, all your facial muscles. And uh, he's like, your 
stimulating the autonomic nervous system is triggering the relaxation response and at a delay reaction when you say, ah, that feels good or right on, okay. Your brain's already producing more dopamine, endorphins, and serotonin. And that, Joe, is why you're getting this mental health, psychological oriented feedback. And I was like, never saw that coming. Right on. I got a new way to help people be beyond the physical muscle tension relief by hitting your master and temporalis. So that was incredibly powerful. And, you know, like uh, he wrote this unbelievable letter talking about, oh, combat soldiers are going to be able to calm down quicker after combat patrols. A year later, dude, a year later or less, I get a letter from a combat commander in Afghanistan on Army letterhead stating how it's helping combat uh, service members, uh, you know, come down to a base level, I'm okay feeling and get rid of the adrenaline and cortisol as quickly as possible and feel more calm and relaxed after combat patrols. And so I'm like, Dr. Abramson, you actually foretold what came to be. And so I got Abramson's letter and then I get the combat commander's letter. That was incredible to see and witness some like pure discovery through the innovation. Wow. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot uh, to that. First, I wanted to say on, on top of, you know, what it's doing with the nerves, there might also be something to the fact that you're distracting yourself, but now I got something in my hands and I'm doing something else. Like you're, you're actively engaging your hands in motion and, and doing something. Yeah. You know, let me, let me speak to that. Sitting there and just kind of, you know, thinking. It's yeah, it's great to try to meditate. Some people can do it. Some people have a really hard time breaking that awareness because if you're aware and you're, you're looking at your surroundings, you're not going to be able to meditate. So Abramson, like I worked with a doctor uh, at Fort Hood. This guy was a counselor and I think he was a colonel. And he was like, Joe, your product's acting like a pre-meditational calming distraction. So it turns your awareness off, right? Like when I, you start using it, your eyes want to close. I mean, you can sit there and, and make sure your eyes are open and keep your jaw tense and keep thinking about your bills and your problems and what's not right in your life. I would say, don't use the product. Don't buy it. Don't waste your time. It's not going to work. It's not a magic wand, man. You got to participate. You got to want to say, ah, that feels good. You got to want to let your head down and let your mouth hang open. Be mindful. So mindfulness is the greatest part of the product. You're not going to get the full effect. You're going to get 10%, 15%. Like it might feel good, but it's not going to yeah, be everything. Yep. So you mentioned the distraction. So uh, I put an aromatherapy pad on the front of it. So as I'm stimulating here, my treadmill nerve, my master muscle, all that, I could put aromatherapy on this white pad. Look, look, wow, it's like right under my nose. So if I'm practicing deep breathing, I'm getting a massive, I don't know, I'm getting a hit, right? <laughs> I'm getting a big hit of lavender oil or whatever oil you want to put on there. It comes with lavender when you buy the product. It comes with lavender. And uh, so like up on the handle, there's a, a, a lotion roll-up, which is uh, mango butter, shea butter, coconut oil, beeswax. And I had the manufacturer put in uh, Arnica, which is an over-the-counter herb for pain relief. And I had the person add uh, St. John's Wort, which is an inflammation relief. It's all topical. So when you're putting anti-inflammation and anti-pain or pain relief 
the lotion is there to break the friction so you don't irritate your skin by, by using the tub massager too much. You can irritate your skin. So I made this lotion. It was a great opportunity to put in some pain relief and inflammation. And then there's lavender oil. Well, vial here has got lavender oil. So um, basically that lavender oil is there to stimulate the olfactory nerve. And I got a big one. <laughs> so... <laughs> More of a schnoz. No kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> I love making fun of myself. Yeah, you know, you got to. Uh, yeah. So that's called your olfactory nerve. Just being serious for half a second. So while you're getting this autonomic nervous system stimulation up here, simultaneously, if you're using the aromatherapy, you're getting the olfactory stimulation. So again, the doctors were at Stanford were like, this is causing a distraction when you get this powerful smell right under your nose. The deep breathing lowers your blood pressure. That's just a matter of fact. Deep breathing lowers blood pressure. So you're encouraging people to do deep breathing to get the aromatherapy. You're distracting them. You're lowering the heart rate and the blood pressure. And then this autonomic thing is causing you to say, ah, so there's this mental, mental and physical effect of the product. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. You know, this is way more than I thought it would be. On top so, of that, your eyes are closed you know, you should be able to focus more on those other senses, the sense of touch and smell and, and not be distracted by sight. Yeah. So ideally you're in a room where the lights are out and you could kind of amplify the, you know, the effect of that even more if you're, if your eyes are closed. Yeah. And the cool thing is it's so portable. You can just use it in your car at home. If you're parked somewhere, don't use it while you're driving. I don't recommend that. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. No, don't do that. Disclaimer. So, <laughs> Uh, basically there's this whole mental aspect, uh, psychological aspect and the physiological aspect of the f muscle tension. So I've gotten tons of letters uh, from combat veterans and veterans and talk about their headache relief. I've worked with migraines again, the migraine awareness groups, we donated to them, got feedback from migraine headache relief. I was getting migraine. I'd get an aura in my left eye and it looked like sunlight off of water glistening and I wouldn't be like letters would be missing from words. I couldn't see. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm about to get a migraine and I'll just sit back, you know, and, uh, just rake. Ideally I'd be leaning back and I'll just rake back and forth on my temporalis muscle right around my ear. I'll tighten it up and I'll breathe deep. And for me doing that 15 minutes, leaning back, resting, my head's at rest. I'm breathing deep. I can actually get rid of my migraine before it sets in and I, and the words appear whole as I'm reading, but I got to stop, like turn the lights out, no TV, turn the phone off, close the door, leave me alone signs everywhere. <laughs> and you got to focus. But, uh, so we've worked with some people helping get rid of their migraines. And I had a, uh, a person on LinkedIn I connected with just like you. Uh, he is a tinnitus social media influencer. And he was like, hey, man, I think your thing's going to help with somatic tinnitus because I'm always rubbing right in front of my ear to get rid of my ringing. And I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, let's talk. I sent him a device. Three months later, I thought he blew me off. Three months later, he's like, hey, man, I did the video. It's up. And I looked at it, and he's raving about it. He's like, this thing's great. I love it for my tinnitus. And so, boom, uh, to this day, 
because of his, of his tinnitus video, I'm still getting sales. And I, I give a little discount, so I got a code. And I can tell it's a rewiring tinnitus video viewer that went and bought one. So there's this tinnitus thing. And I don't have medical studies on that. I'm not trying to blow smoke here or, or lie to people or make things up. I'm just telling you, people tried it. They reviewed it. They're the ones putting the videos out because it's helping them in that sense. So I'm just real transparent, man. I'm not trying to unsell a product, but you know, when people are using it and they give their credibility out there, that's good enough for me. If it's working just like on the combat soldiers, the veterans, first responders, you know, their words speak louder than mine. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. That's uh there's a lot of tools people can try, but this is a lot better than drugs and alcohol or, or self-harm in other ways. You know, can, you got another minute. Can I say something? Absolutely. Okay. So check it out, man. I, I, sometimes I don't talk about this. It depends on who I'm talking to. And sometimes I worry too much maybe, but um, this product is the latest version and I made it from ballistic nylon and there's many reasons, but one of them was like, I've talked with a lot of doctors and PhDs and one of them was Dr. Shauna Springer. She's an author and a well-known uh, doctor PhD that's worked with combat troops forever. And she's super cool. She interviewed me and, and uh, I talked with her and I said, Hey, I made this thing out of ballistic nylon and I kind of reshaped the handle. Like I wanted to fill your hand. Right. And, Cause I've dealt with the, like I've had people write me and say, Hey man, uh, I'm not thinking about my suicidal ideation. What? Your suicidal ideation and your temple starts helping you with that. I'm like, man, this is incredibly powerful. And I talked to Anderson again. I'm like, Hey man, why are people telling me suicidal ideation distraction? Well, Joe, it goes back to the distraction, the olfactory and the stimulation here. You can't think about much. So hey, somebody's suicidally, and then you can interrupt them with this. He's like, Joe, you're doing a world of good. Yeah. So, well, you're not only you, you got to think about the fact that you're not only impacting them, you're impacting everybody around their life, their loved ones, their kids, their spouse, their parents, the siblings, whatever, anybody in their life. If that's just a that's keeping them alive one more day. Yeah, hopefully way, I, way longer than that, you know, and it that makes a positive impact. Dude, right there, that one. So I got a letter. This all started because of one email from a combat medic. He was either in South Korea or Japan. And this guy writes me and he says, "Hey, do y'all offer discounts? I've, I've marked my wrist with a knife. I'm in a bad way, and the person that usually does my temple massaging isn't available. And I found your temple massager online just by searching temple massager." And I was like, uh, yeah, we offer discounts. How about free? Price is paid. I served with two guys that gave all their spirit keeps driving me on. And so this is free, brother. Give me your APO, right? Military shipping address. They still call it an APO? Is that military trust? As far as I know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was in. APOs, so I, FPOs, whatever, something like that. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of different ones. So he sends me an address. I send it. Months goes by. It was right before Christmas. And I wrote him after that in July, uh, January. And I said, hey, man, did you get it? Did it help you? He writes me back and he says, uh, this thing's helped me. Yes, I owe you a huge, great, a huge debt of gratitude. 
I feel okay. And for me to feel okay is significant in light of 17 months of panic attacks, suicidal ideation, and anxiety attacks. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you. I have his email. And in fact, that was published in, um, his email was not published. His comments were published in a San Francisco Chronicle newspaper article because I went up to the town of Paradise after the town burned off the map and I donated to the first responders. So anyway, getting back to the construction, Dr. Shauna Springer and my thought process, I thought to myself, I want to make the handle bigger. I want to fill a hand because I know from reading tons of shit, too many veterans hold weapons to feel that safety, comfort, and security. It is conditioned in you in a military service member, especially if you're kind of ground pounder. You're holding your weapon because that's what's going to save your bacon, right? So after you get out of the military, there's no real unconditioning of that. So I hear from a lot of counselors, oh, too many veterans hold guns. Well, man, if you're holding a gun and you're not feeling good or maybe you drank or you used some kind of drugs or pharmaceutical street, I don't care. It don't matter. The point is maybe you shouldn't be holding a gun for comfort and security. So I was like, man, I wonder if I make the handle bigger and I wonder if I can get a mold made that makes out of ballistic nylon. Will it hold up to the oil penetrating it? And the answer was yes, yes, and yes. So this is the latest version of the Temple Sergeant to made a ballistic nylon. And so I talked with Dr. Springer and she's like, Joe, what you did is called habit replacement therapy. You took something that feels like a gun because the pistol grips and handguards of M16s and rifles are made of ballistic nylon. So she's like, you took weapons material, made it into healing material for distracting for all these negative intrusive thoughts that people might potentially have. And that's called habit replacement therapy. Congratulations, Joe, through discovery, you're potentially helping people with suicidal ideation distraction. And, and I got that email and I work with the doctors at Stanford and Sean Springer and all these people. And it's a blessing, dude. It, it, you know what? It, it makes walking away from Hollywood that much easier. I have zero regrets, zero. Wow. I walk away from Hollywood again right now because of that one email from that combat medic, I do it in a heartbeat. That one email was enough to make me satisfied as a human being helping people. My personal desires and dreams are worthless. I find my gold of living and helping people, man. Like I've had some people tell me where I live, oh, have you made the millions yet, Joe? You make the money yet? And I'm like, you know, uh, I've been paid, we'll say. The company still technically owes me money, you know, because I focused on donating, but I said, I, I, I've been paid. I just haven't made any money. Is what I said. I've been paid. I just haven't made any money. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, look, man, I, I got paid in the sense that I got gold, platinum, diamonds, rubies filling my pockets. They're just the ones I can't show you and I can't spend them, but they are the, the payment of gold and jewels and rubies and whatever you can think of value in this world. I get to take those to my grave with me. And so, yeah, I've been paid brother. Not a problem. Yeah. Good, good point. And, and man, you're, you're, man, there's a little bit to unpack it there. <laughs> you know, I did not, I, have to do show. <laughs> I really did not know that a lot of veterans were doing that, that they were 
just sitting there holding a gun. It makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I didn't know that. And when you say that, and I, I eventually reached over and I grabbed it, and I'm sitting here holding it in my hand, and it's like, that is pretty darn close to a pistol grip on a rifle. Not exact, but it's close. It's, it is it is eerily close to that. And and I can I can see it now. Like I'm holding it and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's that's close enough. So instead of putting a gun to your head because you're holding it for comfort, security, whatever, you know, maybe put a temple massage into your head and let it do its work with the stimulation and the distraction. Yeah. Just don't think. Just be calm. Just be alone with your thoughts and be calm. And if it leaves you in a premeditative state, well, then drop the temple massager on the floor and go into meditation if you can. Ideally, that would be a nice progression. Yeah. yeah I kind of want to kind of flip the script here. I'm going to scroll this at the bottom. Um, but I just want to say for a second, anybody who's listening to this and is having problems, you definitely should look at the – go get the temple massager. But obviously, that takes a little while to ship. So I've got the National Suicide Prevention Life Lifeline number scrolling at the bottom. You can uh, it's on the ending screen of my video too when I play that. But I guess I just want to take a moment and just say to those who are struggling, we want you, Joe, and I want you, all your other veteran brothers and sisters. We want you here tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. That's what's important. We kind of mentioned it earlier. We're a big family. We might be dysfunctional. <laughs> okay, we might be really dysfunctional, but we're a big family. And at the end of the day, we don't want, you know, I think we're all sick and tired of of the 22 a day or 33 a day or whatever the freaking statistic is today. We're tired of it. Do something. And this, this is definitely something that I can see helping. May not help everybody, but it can certainly help a lot of people. If it distracts your thoughts for, you know, a little bit, then, then I'm doing my job, you know, and, and it works with the counseling and it works with, if you're on a pharmaceutical, I get it, man. I just had knee replacement surgery. Sometimes pills are necessary. Um, but like, you know, I work with Dr. Uh, Mahin Adams at Stanford, Palo Alto VA. And she's like, Joe, the cool thing about your product is it works with everything. It works with therapy. It works cl- with clinicians. It works with the pharmaceutical. It, it's portable, you know, so yeah. It doesn't take a long time to do, just a couple of minutes, you it's know. It's quick and it's easy, and I always tell people, continue with your counseling, talking with people. This, you know, it's a great little tool, but it is not a magic wand. I always tell people, if you're going to use this, that's fine. I'd love you to do it, and I'd love to hear from you, and I hope it helps. But you need to continue the counseling, the therapy speaking with people, immersion therapy, whatever it is you're doing, the temple massager is not going to replace anything. It's another tool to add to the toolbox, if you will. You know, yeah, because um, getting better is a holistic approach, right? It, you need to look at it as a holistic approach. It's not just one tool. Because if you go to a, a mechanic with your car and they've got one wrench, <laughs> they ain't going to do shit for you. <laughs> no. You know? Like you gotta, you gotta fill that toolbox with a bunch of tools. No, you know, you gotta got a bunch of tools, and so should everybody else. Yeah, what you, what you need, what do you need for the job? You know, and it's just part of it. So, yeah, that's um, you know, and it's like you said, you know, the the materials you made it out of, it's really lightweight. I mean, this thing it it doesn't weigh much of anything. I mean, most of the weight's obviously in the handle with the lotion and all that stuff in there too. But you know, so, I wanted it to be tough and and. 
I know your next question is, Joe, where, where is this thing made at, brother? Oh, well, it- actually, <laughs> that is literally my next question. I wish I could show it on my screen. Where is your product made? It's made in USA. There's a patent number. And uh, I, I'm not being sour grapes here, but I will say and I never had any big investors um, for all kinds of reasons, you know. Um, and uh, most of them weren't good. But a lot of them in the early days were like, we, we want you to make it in China. And I said, well, why don't you go to China and pound salt along the way? Because you're an idiot. Well, well, Joe, you can't talk to us like that. I'm like, listen, brother, there ain't no echo in this fucking room. You heard me. Don't fucking play with me. You're so stupid. I would never take a penny of your money. Well, what's your problem? Why are you so upset? Oh, you're too pissed off. You're I'm like, maybe you're not pissed off enough. Dude, you think I'm going to go sell something to VA made in China? Again, you're an idiot. Right. It's like, yeah. who's the intended user at the end of the day? It's- I'm selling to the VA. Okay. We're, my company's a veteran registered vendor, and we're right about to go for a contract. And I'm thinking to myself, if I would have taken money from investors and they told me to make it in China, I'd be screwed by idiots. But you know what I did? I sacrificed a career. And uh, I made it happen. I'm, it's made in USA. And I don't have one regret. Dude, I would do this out of a cardboard box. I'm a happy guy, bro. Okay, just that's my nature. And I'm a hard worker. And uh, don't ever uh, estimate, don't ever misunderstand or underestimate people that are nice people that are kind and generous for a week. Because it's, 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 it's actually that kindness, love, and compassion for my brothers and sisters that makes me strong. And that's power, brother. And so when I hear these people telling me, well, we want to make it in China, I'm like, get out, you're an idiot. Next. And so there's a bunch of other BS I had to put up with investors. They got their ego wrapped in everything, you know. And I'm like, get out. I remember one investor told me, he's like, oh, well, uh, you got to have skin in the game. I'm like, really? How many years did you serve in the service of whatever branch? I don't care. None? Oh, okay, great. And, uh, I got $180,000 in my business. What have you got into it? And, and you're going to sit there with your ego and your bullshit arrogance and ask me how much skin I got in the game? Kick rocks, fool, baited. So, yeah, we're made in the USA, and that ain't never going to change. Yep, I, I, I don't blame you. I mean, at the end of the day, you got you to gotta live with yourself, too. It's like, okay, I'm going to help people, but, you know, this that supports American jobs. It, yeah, my company has, uh, I think, 13 different companies supply chain. 13 other companies to make this. Dude, if I made it in China, all them companies' business would be gone. It's it's an exponential impact on an economy when you're a manufacturer here at home. And I, I never lost sight of that. And, yeah, boy, it's a good thing I'm not passionate about this, huh? <laughs> I know, right? You need to step your game up a little bit there. Dude, you're a little passionate there somewhere. Right, a little bellicose here. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess one last question I want to ask you, kind of just going back to the creative side of creating things. I'm sure there's a lot of veterans out there that are listening and saying, you know, Joe, I've got this. And you, you told them they can reach out to you for advice, but maybe they got something that they're somewhere in that process. They got this idea or they got a prototype or they're trying to grow things. What kind of advice do you have for those people, you know, when they when they start running into a brick wall? Okay, so right off the bat, I want to tell people, if you're thinking about a product and a patent, feel free to write me, joe at templemassager.com. 
Uh, there's a lot of pitfalls. There are a lot of advisors that are scumbags that are going to give you bullshit advice and you're going to pay them for it and you're going to lose your money. I can totally you know, yeah, like the advisor class people. They want your money. They don't care if your idea sinks or swims, okay? So I will offer advice all the time and uh, no problem. So one thing I would say, I hear a lot of, oh, uh, I heard that if you mail your idea to yourself and you don't open it, that that's a patent. I'm like, if you're an idiot, sure, you have an idiot patent. Right on. Congratulations. No, that's not true. That logic at all. I just, oh, I just heard it the other day. My my friend wants to patent and do an app, you know, and he brings it up. I'm like, oh, God, no. That is not true, dude. Well, how do you know? Trademark office, like for a reason. You have to file these. Exactly, dude, exactly. So don't ever fall for the bullshit, cut a corner. You're not going to cut a corner. If you have an intellectual property, you either have a patent, trademark, or copyright. That's intellectual property, period. If you don't have a patent, trademark, or copyright, you have nothing. So you can go out and get a provisional patent from the USPTO, US Patent Trademark Office, USPTO.gov. Be careful when you're clicking around because there's people that want to say they're USPTO.com or, you know, .scam is what they really are. So you are not in the right place unless you're at a .gov website, period. Absolutely. Yep. So be careful when you're clicking around. You might click on something that looks like it's a patent and trademark office, but then you suddenly you're not there. And it's all so you can go get look at a provisional patent. I think they're 150 bucks or 75 bucks. I did that. It gives you one year patent pending protection. So you can explore, prototype, get somebody to build something. And you have to have that room to, to fail, you know, in an uh, entrepreneurial world. You always hear fail fast. Well, that's the reason you want to fail fast because you can quit spending money on bad idea, but you're going to have to sacrifice. <laughs> you got to sacrifice a little bit to, to flush out the idea. I didn't know the tumble massage could be a mental health tool. I didn't see that at all. And that's what it came to be. So the point is uh, you got to have that room to experiment, prototype, test. And before that one year's up, you have to file a full blown patent, right? And so uh, once that provisional patent's up, that's it. You're done. So before you get that end of your year, you have to submit the paperwork to get a patent. That way you have a filing date, right? So let's say somebody filed for a patent because, you know, I'm in California. Maybe somebody in New Hampshire had an idea like I did. And they happened to file it the day after I did. Well, I have the first right because my filing date was a day before the guy or gal in New Hampshire, just as an example. So you got to get your stuff filed and I'd be happy to you know, share what I know with people. Uh, if you're going to, you know, I'm like, Hey, if, if, if I'm a construction guy and I can go out and figure out how to write a patent and um, I got a degree in geography and geology and I worked in gold mining a little while, but if I can do it, you can do it too. It's just tough because it eats a lot of time and you're going to have to make sacrifices, man. Yeah. Uh, there were countless times I couldn't go out and party. I couldn't go to the show. I didn't have money to take out the girls. So you're alone because chicks don't dig dudes to sit and read medical papers at night that are broke. That makes Hold sense. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing I, I know. Know. yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that that I heard years ago. Actually, I heard it on another podcast. And I've said this many times in my business, and I think I've said it a few times on the podcast, cheap is expensive. 
I wish I could give credit to wherever I heard this, but if you try to cut the corners and you do some things yourself or you go to some of these services, cut those corners, it can be expensive. You they're going to charge you and you they're gotta, not going to deliver much. You got to find that person who is going to take care of your business and do some things. Um, I will say for those who are listening, if you're in that boat, um, Andy Nelson is an attorney. I interviewed him last year on my podcast, uh, patent the trademark intellectual property rights attorney in California. Awesome guy. They can kick people can connect with him through my website too. So hey, let me give you, another, let me give you another resource. Absolutely. Um, uh, this is Craig Stainbrook. He's in Santa Rosa, California. Craig Stainbrook, Santa Rosa, California. He's a first-class attorney I've worked with. Now, these guys cost money. So like me, I didn't have money or backing, so I had to write the patent. And you can too. You can figure it out. You get other people's patents that look kind of like yours and fill in the blanks with your information. So anyway, there's another resource for you. Absolutely. I'll, I'll get his information. We'll get that in the show notes too. And then one other one is um, a manufacturer prototyper, Air Force veteran, Larry Childs. Like it sounds, Childs. Larry Childs, design it prototype. Rotor Park, California. Larry Childs, design it prototype. Rotor Park, California. He took my ideas out of my head, a crappy prototype, and made them into an actual prototype. So there's two resources for other people, and they're not going to gouge you, rip you off a light, steal from you. So there's some of my assets I hope that can help other people. I love a joke because that's one of my goals of every show is to educate and inspire. And uh, that that gives somebody some actionable places to go to get, yeah, get the cool. So I appreciate it, Joe. Any, any last words of wisdom? Oh, man, take care of yourself. You're worth it. You know, it's ugly and hard. Just do something to get through the next day. Love yourself. You're worth it. I want you around. And uh, I'm always here to chat with people. So uh, God bless everybody, man. You're worth it. No matter what you've been through in your life, you are worth it. So do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself and reach out for help. Don't be ashamed. Don't be alone. And, and reach out to somebody. Awesome. I appreciate it. And like I said, once again, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, this is this is an awesome device, and, and I know this is going to help a lot of people, and it's been a pleasure to have you on here and, and highlight this. So, All right, Keith. Thank you very much. Have me on again. Uh, we're, go we're going. Yeah, there you go. No way.